They've almost built a religion, you could say, around the Kim family dictators, created their own myth. We'll see how long this lasts, but for now, this is somewhat of a cult happening that's very strong. Hey there, friend. Welcome to the podcast today. This is Brian Del Turco. Thanks for connecting with me today on Jesus Smart, the podcast. Episode 131, our Christian family in North Korea. Here's what we can do with Ariel Del Turco. You can see the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash North Korea. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer admonishes us to remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. You know, my friend, I'm coming to understand that a core component of Christ following is getting after what's top of heart with King Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 25, when he was on the earth, I was in prison and you came to me. I found this stunning. Can it be true that the capital of North Korea was once considered a center for Christianity, even called the Jerusalem of the East? We'll take a quick look at the history of Christianity on the Korean Peninsula. And why is this regime so frenetically obsessed with preventing the spread of Christianity in North Korea? And what can and what should Christ followers do regarding this issue? It always starts with prayer, but there's more. Well, my friend, a core element of becoming Jesus smart is aligning with what's top of heart with King Jesus. I really believe that. Here's my conversation with Ariel Del Turco. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a special guest today. I'll introduce her in just a momento as we focus upon those who are ill-treated, those who are in prison, and we find ourselves drawing close to the heart of Christ, and we actually awaken a new level of his pleasure towards us as we care about what's on the top of his heart. Did you ever hear that phrase, top of mind? What is top of heart with Jesus? It's hard not to read the scriptures and to understand that what's top of heart with Jesus is are the poor are the imprisoned, are those who are afflicted. And Hebrews says to remember those who are ill-treated and in prison as though you are being ill-treated and in prison with them. And so we have a special guest today. We're talking about North Korea. We're talking about our brothers and sisters in North Korea. And our special guest is none other than the first daughter of Brian and Penny Del Turco, Ariel Del Turco. How are you doing, Ariel, today? Uh, Doing very well. Thanks for having me, Dad. (laughs) Okay. Ariel Del Turco, we named Ariel out of a Hebrew lexicon. It means Lion of God. It's a Hebrew name. Masculine in the Hebrew, feminine in the English and the French. Okay. Now, Ariel serves as an assistant director for the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C., and she's responsible for International Religious Freedom Policy and Advocacy Efforts, Research and Analysis of International Religious Freedom Matters. And she helps with the formation of policy solutions there at the Family Research Council and coordinating FRC's advocacy on this issue. 
Ariel, this is uh, a new position for you. How's it? How's it? How's it going? This is actually a new center, isn't it? Uh, it's not exactly new, but our international religious freedom efforts are really ramping up. So that is somewhat new to FRC, and I'm excited to be on the very cusp of it, um, helping it form and helping shape people's understanding about the many critical issues that are happening around the world as it relates to religious freedom. Okay, the cusp. Nice word. On the cusp, on the leading edge of it there at FRC. Ariel's work has appeared in the Jerusalem Post, wow, National Review, Daily Signal, Christian Post, Washington Examiner, and Town Hall. She's conducted a number of media interviews on international religious freedom and has herself interviewed advocates, key advocates and victims of persecution. What was that one event you had recently there, Ari, that you put together with the Iranian young women? That was very powerful. Could you just share with us a snippet of that? of that event there. Yeah, it was called Stories from Iran, and we had three victims of religious persecution from Iran come to FRC and Washington, D.C. to share their story. And it's really amazing to see how strong their faith was, even though back in their home countries, they were threatened routinely with prison. Um, They had all spent time in prison. And for one of the ladies, her family was still... um, working through the appeal system, just being harassed by the Iranian regime there. But even in the midst of that, their faith was incredibly strong. I found them to be very inspiring. So if people are interested in that, they should definitely go check it out. It's called Stories from Iran. And if you search that with Family Research Council, you should be able to find it. Good. Stories from Iran. And we also, I also did a special little mini episode on Jesus Smart, the podcast on these young women and actually lifted an excerpt, an audio excerpt from that particular event. And I'll drop that link to that episode on the show notes page. By the way, the show notes page for this episode is going to be jesusmart.com slash North Korea. Now, Ariel, if I can say, if I can say, what you're going to find, Ariel, is that after this interview on Jesus Smart, even though you're already on these media outlets and writing for these various periodicals, after this interview, your media footprint is going to expand to insane levels, okay, because of the audience on this podcast. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I'm prepared for it. I'm writing. <laughs> it's happened with other guests. Okay. Now I was just looking at the metrics today. I'm kind of, I'm kind of kidding here a little bit, but um, I was looking at the metrics today. And of course the United States is always the largest consumer of podcasts in the world, but just in the month of May, Ariel, uh, in this order, uh, and this is not all of them, but we've had listenership in India, Germany, the UK, Australia, Canada, Ukraine, as well as other nations, the Philippines, Vietnam, Singapore, New Zealand, and even South Korea, the country just on the Korean Peninsula, just south of North Korea. So there you go, Ari. There's the digital footprint that's going out there. It's pretty good. Ariel holds a bachelor's degree in politics and history from Regent University. Ari, can I ask, I just want to make sure, is that a earned Bachelor of Arts or an honorary Bachelor of Arts degree? Uh, It's earned. I definitely spent my time there working for that. Blood, sweat, and tears and coffee stains. She earned the bachelor's degree. And just, I just wanted to make sure. And she's currently pursuing a master's degree. Go, Ariel, go. Now, if I could also share this before we get into the content today, all right? In God's providence, just to use that word, right? An election. You like those words, Ari, those theological terms, providence, election. (laughs) All that Ariel is doing right now has flowed from an inflection point in time when Penny, my wife, 
walked into a class that I was teaching. You've heard this story, right, Ari? Uh, many times. Okay. And I, listen, I was a young man. I was just about my father's business, okay? But when she walked in, whatever anointing and blessing I had on my teaching that day, I somehow was able to recover by the end of the class. And I know it's cliche, but the rest is history. Now, we actually have four daughters, and I've learned to surf the estrogen waves, okay? Nothing scares me out there. I have four daughters. That's just the way it's rolling right now. So there we go. But we're proud of you, Ari, and we're really pleased with the work that you're doing. You're doing a great job. Now, let me share this scripture verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Were things always this way in North Korea? North Korea really stands apart as just the worst violator of religious freedom in the world. Um, any expression of faith at all could get you land in a prison camp where you're forced to do hard labor for 18 hours a day. Um, you're tortured horrifically, and often it's just a death sentence for anyone that the authorities catch um, expressing their faith at all. I was recently watching a documentary on North Korea. I'm not sure how I came upon it, but... I was beginning to understand that I think the the Chinese and certainly the Japanese uh, treated the Koreans horrifically, right, leading up to World War II. They have quite a background of being traumatized. But I do know that the, even the Korean War looms very heavily in the minds of North Koreans. Um, their three main enemies, or so the North Korean regime says, is Japan, South Korea, and the United States. And the worst of these in their minds is the United States. Yeah. So history really does loom heavy there, and it has a real impact even on their own people today. Yeah, there was a great uh, persecution by the Japanese in the decades leading up to World War II, I believe. What was the name, the grandfather of the current leader when he came in with communism and there was a communist revolution and the, and, and the northern uh, part of the Korean Peninsula, you know, went went with that, that revolution? What was his name again? Kim Il-sung. Yes, the grandfather. So yes, I understand this is in their background. And of course, now it's been, there's like, I think, three successive leaders. There was a grandfather, a father, and now the current leader who's only in his 30s. Uh, this is sort of like a family dynasty, isn't it? Almost like a family cult. Yeah, it's exactly that. They've almost built a religion, you could say, around um, the Kim family dictators. It was Kim Il-sung, the grandfather who founded North Korea, and then his son Kim Jong-il, and now it's Kim Jong-un. They really have created their own myth, and they even um, say that it's like the blood of Mount Paektu, like this mountain in North Korea that it's supposed to be mystical, that that gives them their authority to rule. So we'll see how long this lasts. But for now, this is somewhat of a cult happening. That's a very strong. Yes. And recently there was uh, in the news a lot of speculation that uh, the current leader was either very ill or perhaps had even died. And I think a lot of people had a hope that possibly this could uh open up and eventuate into the country opening up and becoming free. But of course he did not die. And we're, I, I, I don't even know, to my knowledge, I don't even know why, why he disappeared for some weeks. Do you, do you have any idea about that or have you followed that? Well, we still don't know. There are conspiracies, but they're all unconfirmed. And because it's so hard to get information out of North Korea, even Western media and even Western intelligence agencies, a lot of times, 
are still relying on North Korean state media and what they say as to the health of um, their leaders, which is top secret information. Yeah. Yeah. There's such a control, such a grip of information. How big is the nation and are there practicing Christians today of any kind in, in North Korea? And how do we know? Yeah, so there are 25 million people that live in North Korea, and it's estimated that about 300,000 of them are Christian, which is a really large number if you think about it, because Christianity is completely illegal, and a lot of people there don't even know about it because their state-controlled education certainly is not going to tell them about outside religions besides the Kim family religion. Yeah. So we know this because, yeah. We know this because of um, defectors who leave the country and are Christian, and we also know it because of missionary networks who operate very, very underground in North Korea, and they'll get information out typically through other missionaries that work in China. Hmm. So there are underground missionary networks in the nation from outside the nation? I would say underground church networks, especially. And now these can be very, very small, Mm -hmm. again, because they have to be so secretive because any sign that they are Christian will put themselves and even their entire families, three generations of their family in mortal danger. Now, what does practicing their faith look like for these North Korean Christians and And what could happen to them if they're caught? Well, I think it's a very isolating experience to be a Christian in North Korea. Um, There's really a culture in North Korea that the government has fostered. They will tell on each other to the authorities that they will report each other just at the tip of a hat, just out of nothing. So a lot of times Christians in North Korea will have to hide their faith even from their own children for fear that their children will tell their teachers or let something slip at school and then the whole family will be in danger. So I think the main way to describe being a Christian in North Korea is very isolated. And of course, they can't gather in churches like we would or even in house churches like you would see in a lot of places. Um, Their gatherings, if they have any, are typically just two or three other people from their immediate family. So this is very, very underground, really underground, like no other place on earth. And again, the scripture in Hebrews 13, 3 to us, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. See, I think the writer of Hebrews is saying this is about ecclesiology or about the theology of the body of Christ, we are to identify with them to such an extent that it's as if we are chained with them, as if we are being mistreated in the same way. And we'll talk about some practical initial steps about how we can execute on that. But I tell you, top of heart with the Lord, again, the poor, the afflicted, the imprisoned, and if you want to awaken the heart of Jesus in a special way towards you. I mean, we're all, because we're in Christ, because of his atoning work, we have his favor. But if you want to really awaken the heart and get at what is top of heart with Jesus, these are the issues. It's so clear in scripture. It's so repetitive throughout throughout the Bible. So what would you say, Ariel, are the top three, if I could say the top three, maybe we should say the worst three nations in the world today in terms of um, suppressing religious freedom. Obviously, North Korea is probably number one. What would you say are number two and three? 
Well, it's hard to rank them because the challenges in these nations can be so diverse. But And there are so many hotspots, unfortunately, in the world right now as far as religious persecution goes. Mm -hmm. But I would say some other countries that stand out and that we've been focused on at FRC is China. Um, They're really on an escalating campaign against people of all faiths and even the coronavirus could not stop this. They were still um, tearing crosses off of churches during the coronavirus when their entire country was, or almost, was locked down. And then, of course, there's a very famous campaign they're launching against um, Uyghur Muslims in northwest China, who they've detained up to three million of them for no legitimate reason besides that the Chinese Communist Party does not like their faith. Mm-hmm. So that and, is a very, very concerning area. Yeah. And, and they, then and they, third and they, country, I would... Okay, go ahead. Third country. And as a third country, I would mention Nigeria. Um, Nigeria is a country that is struggling with a lot of violence um, between Muslims and Christians. So a lot of people know about Boko Haram, a terrorist group that has targeted Christians in the northeast of the country. But also we're seeing Fulani herdsmen, um, this tribe, start attacking Christian villages in the Middle Belt region. Honestly, it's like slaughtering families sometimes, um, trying to get them to flee their village to take it over. So there are just so many different concerns around the world right now that deserve our attention. It seems that globally, tragically, the trend lines seem to be increasing. They seem the water line seems to be rising on this issue of persecution of faith. Would you would you say that? Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. And it's very surprising and concerning. I mean, you think about the Western world and really not waging, hopefully, yet campaigns against faith. But in these countries around the world, there's all sorts of different challenges. In India, we've seen a Hindu nationalist movement fostered by radical Hindus who think that India should only be a nation for Hindus and religious minorities um, have no place in society. We've seen them launch a lot of physical attacks, mob violent attacks against Christians and Muslims there. Yeah, I've seen that. And the government kind of looks the other way, doesn't really prosecute these situations like they should. And that's sort of a bit of a dark trend line right now in a democratic nation, India, correct? I mean... Um, Absolutely. And Iran is up there, isn't it? Isn't Iran up there? Absolutely. Um, at the top as, of this list. Yeah, yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, they'll harass Christians and imprison them um, for no reason other than their faith. And they'll make up the sad excuse that um, it's a national security concern, even though converting to Christianity is not a national security concern, even though that's the real reason. Yeah. So these regimes like the the communist regime in China, the uh, Islamic revolutionary regime in Iran, and I don't know even how you would classify the regime in North Korea. I suppose it is communist, but it's, it's its own genre of regime, isn't it? It's a cult of family religion. I mean, how would you describe it in North Korea? Yeah, it's unique to be sure. They are were founded um, as a communist state back when the Soviet Union was on the rise. But they've also like created their own mini religion um, based on their cult personality around these 
three family dictators they've had so far. So it is very unique and very problematic. We'll come right back to the conversation with Ariel in just a few minutes. Some North Koreans have escaped from the communist country and its weird worship of cultic leaders and all of its violations of human rights. In this audio excerpt from CBN News, you'll hear about a young woman who escaped and her resolution to follow Christ. Her name is Kim Yoo-jin, age 31. She was born in Pyongyang, North Korea. Just a handful of them have escaped from the brutal regime and live to tell their story. Kim Yoo-jin is one of them. Growing up, I was told by the authorities that there was no God in this world. We were ordered instead to worship Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, the leaders of the country. Freedom of religion is guaranteed under North Korea's constitution, but it's never encouraged. What was it like being a believer in North Korea? We met every Saturday evening. My family gathered in the back room of our small apartment. We had to be very quiet. We whispered when we prayed, sang songs, or read the Bible. We often covered our heads to muffle the noise. Growing up, she heard stories of how her city Pyongyang was once known as the Jerusalem of the East, in 1945, 13% of the population was Christian. The city was the center of Christianity on the Korean peninsula. Half a century later, Kim's faith made her a target. My parents often asked me to stay outside the apartment on Saturdays to make sure no one was coming while the family prayed inside. We couldn't allow anyone to know what was going on. Over time, the meetings grew to include a few friends and extended family. We had one Bible in the house. My grandmother, who was a believer from the Japanese imperial times, had a Chinese Bible. She translated the Bible by hand into the Korean language on pieces of paper. That's how we read the Bible. We found strength in those pages. But soon the authorities discovered that her father was a secret believer. My father was a tailor in town and the police suspected something was going on. We believed they planted listening devices in his shop and on his clothes. In 1994, the authorities discovered that Miss Kim's father was operating an underground church in North Korea. So they raided the home, arrested him along with an uncle. Both men probably ended up in one of the six labor camps in North Korea. Do you remember that day? The day my father was arrested, I was at school, but I'll never forget that day. He hugged me before I left for school, and like every other day, he reminded me to be careful. Every morning at the breakfast table, he will tell us that one day the government will come and arrest us for being Christians. He warned us of the price we would someday pay for our faith. I remember him saying often that even if I face death, I will follow Jesus. Some 200,000 prisoners are being held in political prison camps in North Korea. An estimated 30,000 of them are Christians. The regime is routinely cited for human rights violations. Won Jae-chun is a professor of law in South Korea. They were treated as a, a criminals, and especially like a, a terrorist, uh, and they are uh, uh, prosecuted based on national security crime of North Korea. This video, obtained by CBN News, reportedly shows the execution of North Korean Christians. D 
Do you think that your father is alive today? No. Everyone knows what happens when government agents arrest Christians in North Korea. They never make it out alive. I know my father is in heaven. And he's praying for North Korea and my family. Kim's mother, grandmother and siblings managed to escape that day to the mountains. In 2005, with the help of a Chinese pastor, she crossed the Tumen River and defected to China. Her family followed months later. It was a difficult decision. I knew that if I got caught, I'd be arrested and sent to a prison camp. But my family defected because we were being persecuted in North Korea for our faith. Today she's married and has a baby boy. I am very proud of what she did. Her family has gone through a lot over the years. She's a hero in my eyes. Kim is quick to brush aside those compliments, instead giving honor to the man who laid down his life. I grew up in a land where they said there was no God. But my father told me otherwise. He loved Christ, and for that, he died. She has a dream to one day go back to Pyongyang and share about this love with the people of North Korea. Georgetown, CBN News, Seoul, South Korea. You can see this video interview on the show notes page at jesussmart.com slash North Korea. Here's the balance of my interview with Ariel Del Turco. Can it be true that the capital of North Korea was once a center for Christianity in its history and was called the Jerusalem of the East? Is that possible? Yeah, that's absolutely true. In the early 1900s, there was actually a revival in Pyongyang, which is now the capital of North Korea. And it was known as the Jerusalem of the East because there was such a revival of Christianity there. That's amazing. And of course, that, yeah, that was brought to an end when Kim Il-sung took control and eliminated religion. But there's a history of Christianity in North Korea. And I think that's a really good sign that it can flourish again. Wow, an amazing heritage, an amazing root there. And we know that South Korea, there's a strong influence of Christianity in South Korea, is there not? Yeah, and actually a lot of South Korean missionaries work along the Chinese border with North Korea. So they're in China, but right next to North Korea. There was actually um, a movement when in the 1990s, um, there was a huge famine in North Korea, and a lot of North Koreans um, came across the border in search of food. Mm-hmm. And they would find South Korean missionaries who helped them, but also shared the gospel with them. So a lot of the Christians that are in North Korea today um, became Christian in the 1990s when they crossed the border and encountered Christians in China. So there is quite a legacy there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here, because I know that the South Korean church may be the most powerful praying church on the planet, possibly. They're going to be in the top three in my mind. There's so much prayer going on from those South Korean Christians, and it's just, uh, you know, the line of demarcation there spiritually between North and South. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how the future may unfold with that kind of prayer going on. Very interesting. Whether it's communist or whether it's Islamic or uh, whether it's this weird hybrid, it seems to me would be a word I would use in North Korea. These regimes are so obsessed with preventing the spread of Christianity. And, and why is that? Is it because they understand that the spread of Christianity is threatening to whether it's communism or certainly Islam and even this, this weird hybrid expression in North Korea? 
oh, these regimes absolutely feel threatened by Christianity and the reasons can be different. So in Iran, the reason that they feel threatened by Christianity is because they are classify themselves as an Islamic Republic. So they have mass conversions to Christianity. That is a threat to the nature of the regime as it currently is. And in North Korea, similarly, they cannot tolerate any worship to a higher authority other than these dictators, because if people can think for themselves, they may disagree with the dictators. And also another fact, North Korean authorities think about a lot is that Christianity um, played a significant role in Eastern Europe when mm. communism fell in Eastern mm-hmm. Europe. So they know that and they don't want anything like that to threaten their authority in North Korea. Yeah, Christianity tends to lift the dignity of the individual. It, it awakens aspirations for freedom, right? And we Absolutely. know that the history of Christianity, that's what it's done. It's its elicited freedom, the rise of the nation state, individual freedom, individual rights, inalienable rights in the American tradition. These rights come from God and not from man. And um, the North Korean leaders would, would certainly see that as an immense, immense threat to them. Now, you wrote a piece for Real Clear Religion, arguing that whatever happens in North Korea— guaranteeing religious freedom ought to be something that other countries demand. Yeah. So that piece was published um, just a few weeks ago when the world was still wondering whether Kim Jong-un was alive and if he would live to still lead North Korea. Um, So there was a lot of change and or not change as much as hope for change. I just wanted to clarify that Whatever happens in North Korea, whatever um, shift of leaders there are, the negotiations that Western leaders would certainly try to have with a new North Korean leader, human rights needs to be a priority. And that still remains the case, even with Kim Jong-un in power, when we interact and we have few, we, the United States, have few diplomatic interactions with North Korea. But when we do um, try to make deals with them, we need to be focusing on their human rights situation, not just their nuclear program, which we also rightly consider a threat. Yes. And so educate me. What are we seeing right now in the negotiations that we've had so far with North Korea, like from a United States perspective to to eliminate their nuclear threat? Are we are human rights on the table at all? So far, we've not really seen a hint that human rights are on the table. And it's understandable why these negotiators would be so hesitant to raise this issue, because they're already trying to make complex negotiations with a really hostile regime over their nuclear program. I think a lot of people don't want to add human rights to the mix. But the situation there is so terrible. And North Korea is not going to become a better country, a country that's safer to interact with on the world stage, unless they're treating their own people with just basic human dignities, which they're certainly not doing right now. Yeah, basic human dignities and beginning to open up and become a nation that, 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 you know, relates to other nations of the world, right? And there is an exchange of information and travel and becomes a, in the family of nations of the world, if we, can, if we can say it that way. Now, let's talk about the church, because we as Christ followers, certainly we would want our government to do what it can do in these geopolitical relationships and negotiations, and each nation is different, each nation is complex, the context of each situation is unique, obviously, and North Korea is a very unique, special case. 
as the church, as Christ followers, what can we do? What should we do? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is prayer, right? I'm sure that your center at the FRC is advocating for prayer over these concerns, right? Oh, absolutely. This can be such like a problem that feels so distant. Like you talked earlier about how we have a responsibility to care about the persecuted church around the world who are really our brothers and sisters in the faith, but they feel so far away and it's hard to relate to Um, people experiencing something so different from themselves. So I really think the first step is to inform yourself, Mm. listen to the testimonies of North Korean defectors, of the people who escaped North Korea and lived to tell the tale of what it's like there, and then do your research. Do your research on the human rights situation, on what it's like in North Korea, how we might be able to inspire change. And then as you said, we need to be praying for these people. We're called to pray for those and just care for those who are suffering around the world. Persecuted church in North Korea most definitely qualifies as that. But then also on a personal level, we should be praying and asking the Lord, what would you like me to do about the situation of this problem that I've learned about that seems insurmountable? What can I do? And politically, something that we can all do is just to consistently let our elected representatives know that international religious freedom is an issue that we care about. If our senators and representatives are hearing buzz about um, international religious freedom on social media, on the telephones from their constituents, they're going to pick up on that. And they're going to advance legislation that helps address that in a variety of situations. But if their constituents aren't excited about it, they feel less inclined to move on something that no one cares about. So there are a lot of ways that even on a personal level, we can be moving to advance religious freedom. Yes. And so it starts with becoming aware, right? And and maybe even helping others to become aware. And as, you know, as Christians, not just being like America-centric, or if you live in the UK, just UK-centric, or, you know, if you live in Germany, just Germany-centric, but having a global vision as a Christ follower and remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world in these various international contexts as if we were with them. And so we're becoming aware of their situation, right? We're praying for them. We're helping others to become aware. Would you see that there's even a role, Ariel, to even help church leaders become aware, maybe to bring resources to their attention or point them in a direction where they too can become aware and then we could leverage our influence through church leaders who would then influence their congregations? Oh, absolutely. We should be in our churches praying for other churches around the world, that especially those that are suffering. So if you bring that to your pastor, I think that's also a way to raise awareness, not only to your pastor who may not always be aware of these situations around the world, mm-hmm. but also to all the other people in your church that are going to hear what um, he's saying. So I think that is an effective tool to raise awareness. Ariel, I imagine that we have this megaphone in our hands today called social media and the web, right? And we can communicate with people and leverage our voice through social media. What can we do as Christ followers with social media to help um, others become aware and become tuned into this issue? Basically, almost all of us have um, social media platforms now, and people are connected to their friends and their family, and people want to know what you care about and what you have to say. And that really puts everyone in a position to be an advocate. 
And you can use your advocacy to raise awareness on these situations. Um, You can share articles or testimonies from North Korean defectors about what life is like in North Korea and inspire people to get engaged. Yeah, very good. Yeah, use social media for something that's actually going to move the needle on something important, right? (laughs) Now... Jesus said, I mean, these are all ways that, you know, that we can uh, be salt and light. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In Matthew 5, he said, you're a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. These are all ways, becoming informed, aware, praying, agitating, and helping others in a good sense to become aware, right? Stimulating the relationship, sharing information, helping leadership to become aware. What would you say, Ariel, about connecting with organizations and and either giving and volunteering or supporting in some way advancing their mission and cause who are on the leading edges of these issues? Yeah, um, there are some good organizations that we're connected to. One of them is Help the Persecuted. They do great frontline work actually helping the Christians, especially in the Middle East, these areas where it's dangerous to be a Christian. But then also there are great ways to get information from organizations like Open Doors or International Christian Concern. Mm -hmm. Um, These organizations have a lot of stories about what's happening on the ground in these places. And of course, the Family Research Council itself, right, is on this edge as well with the Center for Religious Liberty. And what is the website address that people can go to? Yes, you can find our work at frc.org. And tell us about Tony Perkins, the leader of the Family Research Council, because he is a leading commissioner, is he not, on the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom? Yes, that is not connected to FRC, but he is the chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom right now. And I think that really has raised the issue of international religious freedom and all these problems that are going on around the world to the forefront of his mind. We're now working on that at FRC as well. So this is an exciting time to follow FRC if you care about global issues, which I hope everyone does. Yes. And please go to the show notes page, jesusmart.com slash North Korea, a dedicated show notes page for this specific episode. You can see more information there about Ariel, links, all these resources we're talking about. I'm going to try to load that page with as much links and resources that you can go to. And you can share that page then with your friends. This could be one of the ways of using social media to advance these uh, issues, advance these causes as Christ followers. There's there's a player on that page. You can actually play this episode right on that right on that um, that page again. And other listening options you can link to as well, jesusmart.com slash North North Korea. So Tony Perkins' role on this commission has obviously elevated this issue at the Family Research Council. Well, I just think that this is a major component of Christ following. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, I was in prison and you came to me. I mean, just, just let that sink in. I was in prison and you came to me. Maybe in some cases you can physically go to visit prisons. In other cases you can't. But how can you come to the Lord in prison when you can't go? Or one of these education camps in China or one of these political prisoner camps in North Korea. You can go with your prayer. You can speak a prayer and speak a word of faith and go to Jesus in that sense. You can go to Jesus in these contexts by sharing it with others, by 
advancing the cause by raising this justice issue with with those that you know you can if you live in a nation like like the United States and many other free nations where you can influence your representatives influence your government officials to do what they can in their realm international relationships and treaties and negotiations to as much as possible mitigate against these issues that's how you can go to Jesus as well but i just know Just do a fair reading of Scripture, and I'm challenging you. I know that this is top of heart with Christ, and we have to get to the top of the heart with Jesus. We can't be stuck in our silos, you know, only thinking about our communities, only thinking about our faith as it relates to us. We just can't do that. Jesus is concerned about justice. He's concerned about the world. He's concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, Ari... Again, because of the ginormous, massive footprint of this podcast, get ready for an influx of media (laughs) inquiries, okay? That's all I can say. I'll get ready. Based upon precedent and patterns that we've seen. (laughs) I'm just humoring myself here. All right. But we appreciate the work that you're doing at the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council in Washington. This episode will be heard and It's amazing who can hear it and who will hear it, even in other nations. And uh, we appreciate what you're doing there in your work, Eric. Keep keep going, okay? I'll be sure to do that. Thanks, Dad. Well, my friend, I find this challenging, and I know that I need to upgrade in this area. I think it will take a bit of time to really build into the fabric of my Christ-following experience, this really core element of what it means to be a Christ follower, and that is identifying with the Christian family around the world, identifying with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being ill-treated and following the admonition of Hebrews 13 and also what Jesus said in Matthew 25. One of the best things you and I can do right now is to begin to talk with others about this and take some immediate action steps on this issue, even baby steps. I'm talking about like today, this week. It's a core component of Christ following and top of heart with King Jesus. So what can you do? You can share the show notes page for this episode with all of the resources and links provided there to your friends, to people that you know. Go ahead and share it with them. JesusSmart.com slash North Korea. You can go to that page right now, copy that link, click your social media share options, put it in an email, call somebody up on the phone. I don't know. Share the news about this information with others. When we take action steps and begin to teach others, quote unquote, teach others or share with them and begin to take baby steps ourselves, this is the highest form of learning. And it's, it's one of the best things we can do as, as we learn Christ, as, as we learn from him and seek to follow him. So again, that show notes page will have links and resources, including the video of the audio excerpt from the interview with the young North Korean woman who escaped with CBN News. You can see the work that Ariel Del Turco is doing there as uh, the assistant director of the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council, links to some of her writing links to the website at FRC. There will also be other organizations mentioned on that show notes page, and we'll include the scriptures highlighted in today's episode. Please go there. Let's make this a, um, a real opportunity to connect and to, to um, create a mini movement. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. 
When you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps to push it out to more people and introduces the podcast to them to see if it's a good fit for them. Always share with your friends. This is the best way to spread the news about quality content that you come across. There's an option on the website to subscribe to a free e-letter, which goes out nearly weekly. We seek to curate their next level elements to develop as a Christ follower and as an apprentice of his kingdom. We are in a new era, my friend. This is a new season, the balance of 2020 and moving forward. More and more kingdom emphasis will come into the body of Christ. This is a great opportunity right now for all of us to reset and to upgrade. And I hope that you'll find this e-letter can be a, uh, a resource among other resources that you pull on to help you do that. Well, Jesus is brilliant. He knows how this life works best. The future belongs to him. We can start living right now in the light, life, and power of the horizon that's before us, and that's the new heavens and the new earth that's on the way. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.